This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. A quick note before the show, this podcast contains explicit language. Hey, everybody. Happy Friday from NPR Music. I'm Robin Hilton. And let's just hit this from Olivia Rodrigo's new album, Guts, that's out now. This is a song called Get Him Back. I met a guy in the summer and I left him in the spring. He argued with me about everything. He had an ego and a temper and a wandering eye. He said he's six foot two and I'm like, dude, nice try. But he was so much fun and he had such weird friends. And he would take us out to parties and the night would never end. Another song, another club, another Olivia Rodrigo kicking off this week's New Music Friday. I'm here with WBEZ and Vocalo Radio's Yana Contreras. Hello. Critic and reporter Serena Turos. Hey, Robin. And from Radio Milwaukee, Tariq Moody. What's up, Robin? Well, we got a whole bunch of stuff that we want to highlight and talk about from the, the vast list of albums out now on September 8th. But this new one from Olivia Rodrigo, it totally rips. And Serena, I know this is one that you were excited about this week. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if she even needs an introduction at this point. It's like, were you, I don't know, asleep for all of 2021? <laughs> she single-handedly, at 17, brought back rip and pop music. But she is this Disney Channel actor turned pop rock sensation. And I think the thing that really struck me about Guts is that she's leaning pretty hard into the rock. And she's grappling a whole lot with what the external pressures of fame and external perceptions as she's ascended have done to her self-image and her attempts to stay normal under it all. I think Guts is a great title for this album because it is about, it's this expression of spilling your guts, I hate your guts, the way that, you know, a lot of these songs are about guys that she is having a will they won't they with or you know it's it's about showing yourself and also having courage and I think that she does this really well and I think one of her signature things is about these studies of contrasts like the way she does on All American Bitch You know, the verses are very sweet and finger-picked and delicate, and then she just goes full, like, fuzzy garage rock on the chorus. You know, the only thing that struck me about it is it didn't really feel like any particular era in the sense that it's kind of like every generation of young coming-of-age, maybe femme-identifying, maybe not, folks need albums like this. So, like, Avril Lavigne had a moment where she was the one that people were belting out 
in their Honda Accords at night. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like this fills that role really, really well. And it'll be interesting to see. I'm curious 10, 20 years from now, what sort of nostalgia this will bring up when you hear it in the grocery stores or when you hear it like at like a hole in the wall bar. Because I feel like that's kind of the pocket. And it's an important pocket, really, for the culture. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is definitely a Gen Z soundtrack. You know, it's very rocky. There is a nice little pop shine on top of the rock throughout this record. But one of the songs I do, what reminds me of like the 90s vibe is the ballad of a homeschool girl. couldn't stop thinking about Veruca Salt, but then her little rap-like flow throughout this album, is, it's, it's really fun. Kind of like It kind of has that old-school Beastie Boys flow, if you remember that, or back in the day. It's, it's fun. Yeah, there's not a second on this album where I thought it didn't have its claws in you. You know, and sometimes it's because it just rocks so hard, like on Get Em Back or on the song Bad Idea, right? <laughs> but sometimes the claws sink in very slowly. In these quieter moments, like on the song The Grudge. I try to be tough, but I want to scream. How could anybody do the things you did so easily? And I say I don't care. I say that I'm fine. But you know I can't let it go. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried for so long. It takes strength to forgive, but I don't feel which is just so beautiful and affecting and sad because she's, you know, really opening up about someone who, who really hurt her, you know, mm-hmm. which, you know, and again, I, I just, I keep thinking of the, the, I don't know if it's, you'd call them double entendres or what, but it's just like the play on words with guts, get him back. Does she mean get back at him? Like revenge? Or does she mean get him back like she wants him back in her life? Or the grudge, it's like, when you think of a, holding a grudge, you think of anger and outrage, but instead, in her case, a grudge is manifested as deep sorrow and pain that she's holding on to, which is ultimately what a grudge is, right? Drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Amen, Robin. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, again, that's Olivia Rodrigo. Her incredible new album is called Guts. There's also a new album out now that we're loving from the singer and composer Jalen Nganda. It's called Come Around and Love Me. From that record, this is the title cut.
I have to say this because if I don't, I will kick myself. But in his bio, he says that his inspiration came from listening to his father's collection of Motown CDs, which I feel like is very... I don't know why I think that that's funny, but I think it's just he's he's a younger cat. You thought it was funny that he was exploring a CD collection as opposed to vinyl or what was yeah because it's kind of (laughs) an update of it kind of like squarely puts him in an era because you know traditionally I was listening to my dad's records right like it's it's like I was listening to my dad's CDs I don't know why I think that's just very funny I don't know I mean it's hard to imagine anyone discovering my streams because my the original my stream collection <laughs> that's true too but I mean it keeps the window fairly narrow I think you know thinking about it's it's uh, the whole thing is very cliche in the sense that I was I was pawing through my dad's record collection is right. like the cliche and grew up in the church playing the organ like all of the things that are generally the bona fides when a soul artist is discovered as being the authentic thing you know either that or they're playing at this well-hewn club on right. the fill in the blank side of City X. So, <laughs> but his voice is the thing that differentiates this from a lot of other sort of, I'm going to be honest with you, soul cosplay records. I think his voice is exceptional. agree with you, Ayanna. The music's very familiar. What stands out for me, it is his voice. Well, he's taken elements, as you say, from like the late 60s and early 70s, soul tapestry. Like the track, It Takes a Fool, which kind of sounds like it belongs on a black sportation soundtrack. I love to hear him do other genres with that voice. You know, we're going to be talking about James Blake. I'd be kind of cool if James Blake and, and Jane Longana does a track together. It could be very interesting. I think what I grapple with as a person, I have 10,000 records, most of which are vintage soul from the 60s and 70s. I think ultimately what I grapple with is sort of like, how does this music push the soul genre forward? But you also think right now, we're in the year of our Lord 2023. We're at a juncture where... That traditional, the stalwarts of the original music, you know, like the stylistics and all these other people, we know we're not we're probably not going to have another 20 years with those original groups, right? And so if you want that genre to live on, I think that it is important to have traditional soul artists that exist. He's really doing what I think that music can be, which is a gateway from the younger to the older and from the older to the younger, which keeps that music alive. This conversation reminds me a lot about the discussion when Greta Van Fleet came out a couple years ago. And that makes this sound like a terrible comparison, but uh, hang on there. But I think one of the positive spins on that band was that, okay, well, you're never going to hear Led Zeppelin live again. So if you want that sort of feeling of like if you're in your 20s and you're never going to 
live through the 60s, 70s and be able to go to a rock concert like that. Like this band will help you connect with that sort of music live in a way that you can feel that you won't be able to replicate just listening to the record. I do think so much of that, though, is exactly what Ayana said, cosplay or, <laughs> uh, you know, pretend music, dress-up music. Um, mm-hmm. um, but when I listened to it, I, I guess it felt very real to me. You know, it didn't feel to me like he was just going through and checking all the boxes to imitate the sound. I think what's interesting also about this album is, as opposed to some of these other projects that are really heavily referencing older material is that it does feel like it's of a piece in the sense that it all feels like it was recorded between and this is very specific 1967 and 19 late 1968 that's what it sounds like Motown-ish so like I do appreciate that because sometimes what is a little off-putting is that they sound like they're from nowhere in no time in particular just sort of a hodgepodge of soul cliches Jalen Nganda, the singer and composer, his debut album out now is called Come Around and Love Me. Let's go next to the singer Anjimali, an artist we've been following and loving for a minute now. He's now on the 4AD label and has just dropped his first album since signing with them. It's called The King. This is the song Mother. a big fan of Anjimali's 2020 album, Give or Taker, which I think we played on all songs when it came out. And even then, Anjimali was really exploring texture and sound. And he caught my ear because of the way that he played with expectations. And on his second album here, he is really just leveling that up on a massive scale. The two main instruments on this album are his own voice and then an acoustic guitar that is prepared. So like in the way that you think of prepared piano, like John Cage. And when John Cage was doing this, it was kind of a rejection of tradition and a rejection of the limits of the Western chromatic scale. And here on Jimily is doing something very similar where it's almost like the idea that the acoustic guitar is too small to contain his heartbreak and the rendering of his experience in the last two years. A lot of this album, The King, is about what he calls the Black Death, which is both the mismanagement of the COVID pandemic and then also the fallout of the murder of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement and the way that that has kind of stalled now in 2023. You know, it's almost biblical in its themes. I wouldn't call it almost biblical. I would say there was definitely biblical references, a lot of them. 
but the team sent along a document that's themes and influences, which reads a little bit more like a syllabus of the Big Bang, Black Holes, Armageddon, Grief, Acceptance of Suffering, but then a list of films, primarily sci-fi horror films like Eraserhead, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but then The Wizard of Oz also. Documentaries like What Happened, Miss Simone, all were things that were sort of in the cooker as the sound and the production of the record was being sort of organized. And then music influences, you know, Pharaoh Sanders, Moondog, Portishead, Miles Davis, Philip Glass. I think it's quite interesting because I don't know that a lot of artists would have taken that time to make sure that the actual references were put down and written down. And actually, I would be interested in a course that is written around these media influences alongside the album. That, for me, I would take that class. I would pay money for that class. very powerful album and I can see where I like means it could be a great thing to teach in college or syllabus as you say but like sonically it's the the title track just grabbed me know where to place it like that's a musically the album just for me feels like it Mm -hmm. yeah anjimali said in in the notes that if giver taker was an album of prayers the king is an album of curses Mm -hmm. um but but he also said you know that you know at the end of the day i might feel hopeless but i don't feel alone i did feel that tiny tiny seed of hope that carries you through Anjimali is the singer. His breathtaking, I think, album out now is called The King. We still have a handful of other releases we want to highlight for the week, including the new one from James Blake. But first, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Mass Mutual. According to Calendar.com, the average person schedules just 4.5 hours per year on finances. Mass Mutual gets it. Life is busy. If you can't find time to plan your financial future... Find someone who can, like a mass mutual financial professional. For the last 170 years, they've helped people plan for retirement, college tuition, and any other short or long-term financial goals. Learn more at MassMutual.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Lagunitas Brewing Company. Since 1993, Lagunitas has been challenging the status quo, brewing innovative beer, and crafting stories along the way. Featuring a wide range of craft brews, cult classics, and non-alcoholic options, there's a seat at the bar for everyone. Bring the dog, too. Lagunitas Brewing Company. Because every great song deserves a great beer. It's good to have friends. Learn more at Lagunitas.com. Jasmine Morris here from the StoryCorps podcast. Our latest season is called My Way. Stories of people who found a rhythm all their own and marched to it throughout their lives. Consequences and other people's opinions be damned. You won't believe the courage and audacity in these stories. Hear them on the StoryCorps podcast from NPR. 
It's New Music Friday from NPR. I'm Robin Hilton here with Ayana Contreras, Serena Turos, and Tariq Moody. We're sharing our picks for the best albums out now on September 8th, including the latest from James Blake. It's called Playing Robots Into Heaven. This is the song Big Hammer. James Blake, this album is basically a tribute to club music. And I've been thinking about club music. It's one of the few types of music, not really a genre, but say, that brings people together, like, spiritually and physically. You know, when you go to a club, you're sweating and out and like that. And so he, he really channeled through his uh, early roots of club and electronic music. First half of the album is like, it's club music for people waiting in line to get in the club. And the second half <laughs> is you finally got into the club. And I feel like the last two songs, if you can hear me and playing Robots in, Into Heaven as you crawling back to home drunk late at night, reflecting on the evening, and it kind of closes out the night. Dad, if you can hear me. I chased it all too far. Yeah, it's interesting because I... I'm most familiar with his 2019 album, Assume Form, which really, um, there was a big emphasis on on melody and in collaborating with other vocalists. And here, kind of a theme of 2023 is this interest in man versus machine. And if we're living in the age of AI, like, how do we separate ourselves? Like, what makes us human? And I found this album to be a little bit cold, not in like a negative way, but almost that it's like a person on an abandoned spaceship. And I think thematically it's, you know, really grappling with the limits of human experience and, you know, what it means to come alive. So maybe that's the club element of like waiting for the drop, waiting for something that makes you feel human and feel alive. Well, it's interesting, his previous album, when you talk about humans versus machines, his previous album, Wind Down, was an ambient record that came mm-hmm. out last year. Didn't get a lot of attention, but he used an AI app to help make that album. Dance music, club music, is basically machine-based music. It's kind of ironic to have used machines to get people together and dance and stuff. So James Blake knows how to humanize machines, mm-hmm. I guess.
you know, why I was interested in this album is because I really liked um, Overgrown, Color of Anything, Assume Form. Like, those mm. few albums, for me, were, like, really interesting. Just the way he, you know, manipulated his own voice and, you know, the melodic structures of it. And the electronic elements that I don't think he ever really tethered too far away from. I think this one, I was grappling for a little bit more melody. And that's just my mm-hmm. ear. It's not necessarily so much about what he was clearly trying to accomplish. I think, was he successful in trying to accomplish what he was trying to accomplish? Yes. Was it my jam? That remains to be seen. I think it deserves further listening. Yeah, I'm sort of with you in that I've always loved his voice and, want, you know, I love Overgrown. You do get to hear him plenty on this record, like on a song called Fire the Editor. He's trying to save me. take fault with that title <laughs> <laughs> you're done fire the editor i think he means the editor in his mind that is on duty mm-hmm. um but yeah i was surprised by how how many extended instrumental breaks there are across this whole record like i i didn't immediately think dance album <laughs> But so much of this is largely instrumental and mm-hmm. very strange, very weird and dark. I love it. But if it is a dance album, then it's certainly the kind of club that I want to hang out at. All right, again, that's James Blake. Playing Robots Into Heaven is his new album. There's also a new one out today from the jazz artist Yusuf Days. It's called Black Classical Music. This is the song Afro-Cubanism. best known to people that are sort of into this jazz music for his collaborations with Tom Mish and then his 2016 album Black Focus with Kamal Williams as Yusef Kamal. This particular album is, for me, it's it's really, really lovely. You're hearing him, he's a drummer, really, really stretch out into some spaces and places inspired by a trip to Senegal in 2015 and really kind of also his own heritage and sort of the spaces and places within London that he tends to gravitate towards. I love the fact that each track explores a different aspect of his background and his personal history and his connection to the music. A lot of features on there. Uh, 
One of the singles, Marching Band, features Masego. I think I had a vision, not a vision, but a marching band. I don't know how Masego is on everyone's album except Khaled's. Like, everybody's <laughs> album he is on. The other thing I wanted to mention, when I talked to him, I asked him about the title. A lot of folks know the term Black classical music. It's an older term, but um, musician Nicholas Payton he turned this into the whole blogosphere thing some years ago and it became quite controversial in jazz circles about whether that term should be the term for jazz because jazz was considered initially a slur which I think a lot of people Mm. don't realize but Youssef when I asked him about the title what he said was I feel like jazz is quite limiting at the end of the day. You've heard some tracks on this album, and it's not just jazz music, you know. And I think these boxes that we give in music, it just limits it. And for me, it's about freeing up on that. And even when I read what Miles Davis is saying and what Rashawn Roland Kirk was saying, they called it black classical music. It's classical, it's timeless, hasn't got a lifespan. If anything, it gets better with time. Nina Simone actually had a quote, said jazz is a white term to define black people. My music is black classical music, and I was wondering, you, you answered my question, if you got it from Nina Simone, but I also feel like this is a African diasporic album. Like, it celebrates the diaspora pan-Africanism of the culture through jazz. You hear, you know, the, the Latin influences, the Afro-Latin influences. You hear the, the jazz fusion fusion, like in Birds of Paradise. It is a celebration of Black culture through the lens of jazz or, as you would say, Black classical music. Yeah, this album is an absolute feast. I mean, uh, to your point, Ayana, and, and what Yusuf told you about how this isn't just jazz, I think if you just put the record on, the opening and title cut, it signals that this is going to be a pretty straightforward jazz record. But it does not stay in that space for very long. There are also these moments that bring you back down to earth, like these homemade recordings that appear here and there across the record. Like Mm -hmm. just before we hear Chasing the Drum, there's a, a cut called Early Days. One thing that really struck me towards the end was on the song Cowrie Charms. Mm-hmm. About two minutes into this cut, you get what sounds like, I, I guess, a yoga lesson. The nice about lying down is your back is in contact with the floor and it draws your attention there. Most of you will know you have a back body. If you're in a healthy body and your back's fine, you will totally take your back for granted. It's only when you know. Which is really interesting because the instructor is talking about how you get your body and your mind in alignment. And that felt like a perfect sort of summation of what this album sort of spiritually, in a way, is all about. I mean, I do think it's a really stunning record that sticks with you even after a listen, which, I don't know, for me, that's actually high praise because I listen to so many things. Yusuf Days, the drummer and composer, his new album is called Black Classical Music. 
So we are now hitting what is usually the busiest release time of the year once we hit September. So labels start dropping albums like there's no tomorrow. Uh, That means that there's way more great releases out today than we could ever fit on a single show. As always, if you look at the description of this episode in your podcast feed, you'll see a complete list of uh, other notable releases out today. But before we wrap up, let's just take a minute to go around the room and mention some of our other favorites out today. Serena, we'll start with you. My pick this week is from Romy Madley Croft and her new album, Midair. Romy answers the supremely important question, which is, what if you are a shy, introverted, soft-spoken person, but so suffused with queer desire that you just had to make incandescent disco music about it? (laughs) And as the title suggests, this is just like a weightless set of upbeat, playful dance music from, you know, the, the lead guitarist of the XX. And I really loved this one. Instant repeat. Ayana. Okay, so Private Recordings, August 1970 by Sylvester is a revelation in so many ways. If you're familiar with Sylvester, the disco queen, for lack of a better term, you might know that around 1970, as a young person, Sylvester moved to that hotbed of um, creation in um, San Francisco and was in a performance art troupe called the Coquettes. And it's beautiful. I've already pre-ordered the vinyl. I am 100% all in. All right, Tariq. My pick is Alison Russell's The Returner. Alison Russell is a four-time Grammy-nominated singer, songwriter, poet, activist, and multi-instrumentalist. There's a central theme of groove, as she says. Groove is as heralds the self back into the body. Groove as it celebrates sensual and sexual agency and flowering. Groove as an urgent call to action and political activism. And you definitely hear it on uh, one of the singles, Stay Right Here, which is definitely one of my favorite tracks from that album. So many releases out today that I could mention, including the Tanache album, BB Angel, uh, that was just announced last week. That's out now. Uh, But I have to mention that we have a new posthumous album today from one of my all-time favorite artists, Sparkle Horse. It's called Bird Machine. This is the project of Mark Linkus. He very sadly, tragically took his own life back in 2010. 
And at the time of his death, there were reports that he had an album that was ready to go. And, you know, I've always wondered what became of it. So his brother, Matt Linkus, he, he took over the estate and he discovered this album, you know, while, while going through everything. Uh, and it's, it's finally here now. And it's important to note that this is a complete album as Mark Linkus made it. You know, these are not odds and ends or scraps of songs that, you know, his label pieced together or his family pieced together to try to make a record out of whatever he had left behind. Um, I mentioned loving the dark and the strange and the weird. Sparkle Horse was the king of dark and weird, but also... Uh, the gritty and the noisy and the warped and the sad and beautiful, all of those things all at the same time. And if any of those words, you know, make your ears perk up, please dig into the Sparkle Horse catalog. There's lots of stuff to discover. Uh, or just start with this new album. Uh, I'm so grateful to finally have. You won't regret it. Again, it's called Bird Machine from Sparkle Horse. And that'll do it for this week's New Music Friday. My thanks to Ayana Contreras, Serena Turos, and Tariq Moody. Thanks so much, everyone. Thank you, Robin. Thank you, guys. All right, as I said, you can see a list of everything that we talked about and played, plus a whole bunch of other notable releases out now in the episode description. If you want to hear full versions of the songs, you'll find them in our expanded New Music Friday playlists. Search for those in Apple Music or Spotify. And if you want to keep up with the latest from NPR Music, Tiny Desks, Reviews, features, playlists, and a whole bunch more, sign up for our newsletter. You'll find it at npr.org slash music newsletter. And for NPR Music, I'm Robin Hilton. I hope you have a great weekend. Be well and treat yourself to lots of music. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Dignity Memorial. When your celebration of life is prepaid today, your family is protected tomorrow. Planning ahead is truly one of the best gifts you can give your family. For additional information, visit DignityMemorial.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Why is everyone so obsessed with traditional wives or trad wives on social media? This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch and how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism about our modern world. And that's worth digging into. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR.